Welcome, players, to the first ever triple play fantasy basketball show. Much anticipated. I'm Emendi, your host, and we got a good crew with us. You know him from the football podcast, got his degree in economics for you from UMBC, the Bradstradamus himself, Avery Bradley Kilgore. What's going on, my man? Avery Bradley. What's that from? Avery Bradley Kilgore. Avery Bra- oh, okay, okay. I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, you gotta get a little creative here. Okay, okay, okay. All right. He gets the ring too. He gets the ring. Yep, yep. Uh, of course, he was on the team. It's a little participation trophy award, but he still gets one. <laughs> but hey, you take also, what you get. Also, starting at small forward, got a PE in health degree from Towson. We got Mike. James Lewis. What's going on, man? <laughs> Never played the small forward position. I'm typically the point guard, but, uh, you know, you adjust with the team that you have assembled. I'm doing great. Happy Sunday. <laughs> yes, sir. You know James, man. Four-time finals MVP. Closing the I, gap. The LeBron James Lewis. I was like, no, nah, I can't, can't mention LeBron too early in this pod because we're going to talk about him a lot. <laughs> but we're the Houston Rockets with the small ball. Mike James playing the three. And then finally, rounding it out, power word forward, we got Jarrett, Jack, Skolnick, Mass Comm Major. Come on, man. What's up? What's up? What's up? How are we doing, fellas? We are doing good. We are doing good. Guys, it's Sunday. And we're actually going to recap the show. And we have a great show planned for today. So after a crazy basketball season, we finally have a champion in the L.A. Lakers. There's a lot to dive in as we recap the bubble express our thoughts, and talk about the implications for next season. After that, we'll go to our question of the week. Who is the most underrated player in the last 20 years? And as always, we have our mystery game revealed at the end of the show. No news and notes really to discuss. The Lakers just won. So we're going to go right to our plug. And do you like what you're hearing so far? I know there hasn't been a lot. Make sure you never miss the show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy baseball and football show that you can also check out available anywhere you get your podcast but you probably do that if you're enjoying the content how about you do what bandwagon lakers fans do and leave us a five-star rating and review check us out on twitter and instagram at trip play fantasy myself and brad run our social media and provide daily questions gifts making fun of david and of course our weekly episode drops are you one of seven Cavaliers fans in the universe and Salty LeBron won a ring? Why not listen to us and forget about the multiple times he left Cleveland? We'll be that nostalgia that brings you back to the 2016 NBA Finals when it was 3-1. We want to keep you entertained, but it starts with you. Thank you, the loyal player, for your listens each and every week. Guys, season recap. As mentioned, Lakers won the championship. I think we're all just happy that there was basketball, right? I think when COVID first hit in Absolutely. March, this is something that we've never seen before. So I just want to touch on a few points of the past season. And the first one is, and Brad, I'm going to start with you. How would you rate the bubble? And what do you think was the, biz- the biggest success and the biggest failure? So if, if 10 was perfect, I'd probably give it a nine. I think the biggest success was the fact that we, number one, we had no positive test from any of the players like that's that's incredible like that's that's not something I was expecting and it was refreshing to have like it, it became abundantly clear 
kind of early on that like if they were going to be able to not have you know positive issues then they're going to have the whole season they were going to finish it out so uh the fact that they were able to do that and you know make everything work i think that was incredible um as far as the biggest failure i think it was you know this is i wouldn't really call it a failure but i'd say that um they probably need to address the mental health side should this happen again i think you know when you hear paul george saying things that he said about his mental health in the bubble and you know just the fact that you're kind of siloed and you have to focus on only basketball and only the bubble and you know you're reading twitter and all the things that people are saying about you you can really take a toll and um that and you know being away from your family I, I think the mental health part is it took a toll on a lot of players and i think that'll help the product going forward yeah and it's interesting because this is something we've never seen before this is something that we've joked about and toyed with the idea but it's literally your life you can't leave the bubble unless you're right. willing, willing to sit out 10 days <laughs> I mean, what, <laughs> what are your thoughts how, how would you rate the bubble I, I agree with Brad. I would probably take mine back down to a nine now, but I was going to say 10 just because I'm just ecstatic on just the positivity overall. I mean, you walk in, you got 343 players all test negative, and they didn't have one single positive test the entire time. We see what's going on in other sports. Uh, with football, there's just uh, postponing games. And um, things just aren't going perfectly. So I love that the – decided to choose Disney and um, have a product that we can all be happy with. I mean, it was very competitive, um, very entertaining. Um, I like that um, Adam Silver's leadership and his visionary um, was successful in the fact that, yeah, we had basketball, but we addressed some of the bigger matters in life and social injustice and Black Lives Matter just being um, a platform to discuss that and to to like, let's, let's have the conversation. Um, I think that um, the NBA did a great job as far as that's concerned. Um, and I think that it was a nice touch to do the virtual fans. I mean, when we first saw it, it might yeah. felt a little weird, but then once you see celebrities like Snoop Dogg, Lil Wayne, you see Player's son, you see CP3's little son out there, and <laughs> dude, Snoop wasn't, wasn't there a, like a clip of Snoop hitting a joint and yeah. caught it, and of course put it on Twitter. That was absurd. I wouldn't expect anything from Snoop. And and James, that's a good point you bring up because they the Milwaukee Bucks were the first team to protest and say we're not playing our games. And I think when we look back at sports down the road, that's going to be a pivotal moment. I mean, we haven't seen strike, Eric. It was a strike. It wasn't a protest. That's an important distinction. You're right. It it was a strike, and it was a well deserved strike. And I'm glad the players use your platform. Jack, finish us out. What were your thoughts? Biggest success, biggest failure? Yeah, I think James hit the nail on the head for the most part. I think the the biggest wins from it were not basketball related. I think just going down to the bubble um, amidst a, a pandemic and being able to work through not having any positive tests and things like that, um, as well as the social injustice issues. I think that that Adam Silver did a did a fantastic job. Obviously, it can't be perfect. Um, kind of like going what Brad said with the with the mental health. I definitely understand that. You know, it, it was it was very well done for the short amount of time that they were able to to do it in. Um, from a basketball standpoint, you know, I think it was you know it was it was good to have basketball back. I wouldn't say that it was better or worse than than basketball beforehand. Obviously, everybody was a little bit rusty, um, but I thought the biggest success, all all things considered, were were the were the bigger than basketball moments that they achieved while they were down there for sure. 
Yeah, and the NBA seems like it's being one of the most progressive of the mm, big four sports, really tackling these issues. And, I mean, I think we're all buzzing about how well the NBA did. You know, they finished their season. There's a champion. They didn't have to postpone games. And we're seeing when the NFL and MLB that they were kind of taking it by year. And, you know, hopefully both finish out the season as well. But, you know, well done with the basketball bubble. So our next question is, do you think that this is something the NBA should consider starting the next season, assuming that COVID is still around, maybe at not the extent that it is now. So, James, what do you think? I say why not? I mean, it worked very well this time around. Um, I think that the NBA being innovative in this whole um, bubble and COVID process, they might expand regions and not just use Disney, especially with 30 teams coming back. I know it was discussed that they would maybe use um, Vegas as a destination since they already have those summer sports already set up. They have the hotels. They have the conditions that they could run a similar plan um, for what they did in Orlando. Um, so I think that, yes, they should should start there. Um, we'll see how things go. Obviously, the players and the fans want to be back involved in arenas. But, yeah, we have to be safe. And they've taken the correct protocols in this last term. So I think I say, yeah, I mean, it's all about the bubble life. They did a really good job with the bubble. But one thing I I think that's interesting, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. The NFL and the MLB, and maybe not the MLB as much, but the NFL is allowing people, you know, 25 percent capacity or a certain amount of fans. And for those teams, it's allowing their revenue. And I mean, at the end of the day, basketball is a business. And teams and association is in it to make money. So, Jack, do you think that's going to play a factor in whether they have this bubble or teams go back to their home arena? Well, so I think it has to. Um, in the because you have to remember they're already talking about the salary cap going down. Um, so, with things like that, I think that you know, being owners are in the grand in the grand scheme of things, owners are are dickheads, right? In most situations, <laughs> they need their money. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that on here or not, um, but I think that there will definitely be some prodding. Um, obviously, the Phoenix Suns owner is a big money grubber, so he might be somebody like that who would do that. Um, I think that from a from a business perspective, it's gonna it's gonna slowly leak into it. Um, it's gonna really come down to what Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA Association thinks is the best alternative, I guess, as opposed to doing because I don't think that they, it would work doing the same things that the NFL is doing. Um, just from only because I don't think the NBA at the moment makes as much money as the NFL. Um, so I think it would be almost kind of pointless to even do that because you're still not going to be making all that much money. Um, but I think that because of how businesses in America are run, that it's definitely going to eventually creep back into the conversation. Yeah. And I, I think it's something that will be interesting. You know, the season just wrapped up and we're not even at the draft yet. So as momentum starts getting, closer to start date that we'll see. Brad, you're the economics guy. What's the opportunity cost of having the bubble and the safety? It's giving up money, right? I I honestly don't I, – I disagree a little bit. I, I think um, I, I think we'd have to look at the collective bargaining agreement and, you know, the financials of the NBA a little bit closer. But I'm pretty sure that, like, the actual revenue from fans is not – that important because um, you know there's a revenue sharing between all the teams so you know it, it, if the Lakers are you know they have big you know concessions and ticket sales and you know Charlotte has horrible ticket sales 
it kind of all comes out in the wash because they're all sharing that, um, as I understand it now. Um, I think the big deal is, you know, number one, is TV money still going to be there? And number two, is China still going to be there? So you, you saw Daryl Morey just step down. He got in big hot water over the China tweets and, you know, support Hong Kong and this and that. And then um, as a result, China, you know, they they stopped their funding. They stopped showing the games in China. Like that, that took a big hit on, you know, when you talk about, you know, is the salary cap going to go down or up? It's, it's going to be because of China or um, the, the TV ratings. And if, you know, the TV ratings aren't there and they weren't, they weren't now. And we don't know if that's because of the presidential elections or, uh, uh, you know, people not liking the social injustice, social justice messages, or um, people deciding that you know the quality, the, the quality of the, the product wasn't as good. Um, we don't know why the ratings were down, but they were down. And if that's going to be the driver for TV money going forward, I, I I don't know that you know not having fans is going to matter as much as fans not liking the product. Yeah, tidbit on that uh, the China situation. I think they they they've done their full year. Um, I guess banning yeah. the NBA on the television. It was a full yeah. year since the Maury tweet, and now the That's door right. is open again. So we'll see right. how that affects. But obviously, the NBA needs China and its viewership, and it's uh, and ultimately like is money coming in. Um, so and, we'll see how that affects it. No one was on the Maury train. No one co-signed, and um, I think China is being a little bit forgiving as far as and, that. And the success of basketball has come from globalization. Now you have ambassadors like Yao Ming, but you see a lot of the really skilled players, Giannis, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and that, was, that and are that from was the of the exposure. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was what they're doing. Like, David Stern was the one that, you know, instituted basketball, like, by plugging their stars and making it, you know, this this product to sell to, you know, the rest of the world. And it's really balloons of money that, that we're seeing now today. But to answer your question, like if they should do the the bubble next season, I, I mean, I think they did the bubble in the first place to protect the product, right? Protect the players. And I don't think that COVID's going to be gone next year. So if it's not gone, like I think you kind of have to continue to do the bubble, right? I agree. And it could be whether they follow the path of other sports or the NBA says we're sticking to what works. It'll be interesting too if they do decide the bubble. Uh, corporations that have naming rights, if there's any mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, lawsuit or, or wiggle room they get out of that. But let's actually talk about some basketball. And as mentioned, the Lakers won the championship, marking their 17th title banner. Is this championship under these conditions more, less, or equally as impressive? And Jack, I want to start with you on this. Um, I think that I'm not going to say it's definitely not less impressive. Um, I think I'm a big LeBron guy. Um, so I think, you know, from, from the LeBron perspective, I think it was very impressive just with everything that they went through from, you know, just the Lakers in general, from Kobe's death and things like that. So to have that, I think it's not necessarily impressive, but it's a very cool thing to, to have. Um, I think that winning a championship under the circumstances of the season stopping, you're done for three months. You have to stay in shape. You have to work out. You have to quarantine. And then to go back and still play the way that the Lake, the Lakers played, I think that it's definitely, I'm not going to say it's any more or less like super, super impressive than a typical ring, but it's definitely, it definitely deserves some props. Is how. Yeah. I think, 
this recent championship is one of the most impressive that I've ever seen in, you know, recent memory. I, I remember the feeling of, you know, when this kind of just started to make news. And I remember, you know, the, the Utah game getting canceled, I guess, ending or getting canceled, you know, when, when Rudy Gobert uh, had his positive test and just how shocking and strange everything was. And, you know, we didn't know if, this is the kind of thing where, you know, we're never going to be able to go outside again or, you know, if it's just nothing to worry about or we didn't know anything. But they basically stopped for the amount of time that, like, the rookies that started the year this year, when they came back to the bubble, they almost were no longer rookies. Like, you're, it, it was the amount of time that, like, almost a new season would have started. So all the players have gotten better. You know, the older players, they've gotten rest. Um they're, I guess there's a little rust to break off, but they're pros. They, they break that rust off pretty quickly. Um, I think when you think of the totality of all that happened, like including the, the small sample size of it all, like, you know, when you have a small sample size, it's easier to be lucky than it is to be, you know, good. So for the fact that, you know, the Lakers were still able to win despite all that, I, I think it's incredibly impressive. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, everybody had the same playing field. Everybody had to deal with the bubble and the circumstances in there. James, finish this out. I mean, what are your thoughts on how the season played out? Um, I, although I agree with what Brad was saying as far as the layoff and having to stay in shape and have to be kind of mentally in it, um, I wouldn't say that this was less impressive than normal, uh, more impressive than normal. It's a validated championship, in my opinion. Um we saw superstars cradle, especially with the mental health um, aspect and um, the strongest team survived. I mean, Miami really took advantage of the time off and they were a much, much better team when they came back. Milwaukee clearly took a step back. I mean, they were the best team in the NBA. Um, so they taking advantage of that three months off. Um, I'd have to respectfully disagree on it being the most impressive in recent history, just because of what the Cavaliers did in 2016 coming back from 3-1 against the team that won more regular season games than anyone else in history and the performances of the double 40 with, with Kai and LeBron and the 30-point triple-double to close things off. Um, I think that was a, more impressive, but I think this is a validated championship. Anyone that tries to take this one away, um, I just I just can't agree with that. Yeah, and so for me – you know, I, I think that it's certainly different. I wouldn't say it's more or less impressive. I think this was an even playing field for everyone. You're staying in the bubble. You're staying in the hotel. I think there's no home field advantage or home court advantage, even though that you have the virtual fans. You have to take travel out of it. You have to take temptations of going out if you win a game or being in a uh, you know er- populated city like Los Angeles or Miami. And I think that's as much mental. Obviously, you, we've touched on the mental health issues. I would have been interested to see how the East would have shaped up because I think a team like Milwaukee needed that home court advantage more than a Miami, as we clearly saw. They they beat them in six games. But, I mean, the Lakers did win at the end of the day. I don't think that there's any debate of having an asterisk because they played the best in the regular season or one of the best, and, you know, they won it. So kudos to them. So we go to a team now to a player, and LeBron James won his fourth ring and was finals MVP for his third team. He finally won out West, even though I think we can all agree it's been weaker than it has been in the past. 
How much does this title help his legacy, and does he move up in your all-time grades? I think this is going to be a good question to discuss. So, Brad, I want to start with you on this. I kind of I, – I go back and forth with this all the time. Um, right now, where it stands is I think LeBron's the best player of all time. Um, if you – you know, James, you brought it up. Like, the 2016 ring, like, that was – that was it, – it's – feels weird to call LeBron like David, but it was David and Goliath. Like, it was LeBron against the Warriors. And that, that ring, plus, like, a, a, a ring where, you know, everybody in the world has essentially been quarantined because of a virus that we know nothing about. Like, I, 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 you can make the argument that, you know, LeBron's highs are higher than all of Michael Jordan's highs. And I think that alone kind of propels him in the in the all-time grades for me. So right now, he is the GOAT in your eyes. Right now, he's the GOAT in my eyes. And Michael Jordan's not going to play again, I don't think. So I think that that's how it's going to stay. You'd have to have like a fall from grace for, for it to happen for me. Okay. Okay. I, I know, you know, for some people that this was really what separated him or moved him up. James, what are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, I don't think this is the last time we're going to touch on this subject, especially with LeBron still having um, years ahead. I mean, to be 35 years old and just without a doubt, clearly this guy is the best player in the league at this age. And to win your third MVP finals with three different teams, so impressive. His leadership, um, his efficiency. I mean, the guy played less yeah. minutes in the finals than he ever did in any playoffs or any finals, any playoffs that he's ever done. Um, his what 29, 12, and nine on basically 60% shooting, 40 from three. I think it was 38%. But right. I mean, that, that's lights out. Um, yeah. when we're talking about the all time ranking. I don't think it changed for me. I kind of do like a 1A, 1B um, with. He's my favorite player. I kind of still kind of have him a little bit at two. I think at the end of the day, it will, it will be clear cut that he's the greatest. But I think he closed the gap tremendously if he is at your two um, with how impressive he was. I mean, to go heads up with uh, Jimmy Butler, who's playing out his mind, 40 point triple doubles that like that battle. And then he still put his team on his back. He empowered Anthony Davis to be the best player he could be. He. I mean, the game-winning basket situation, he's got more than anybody, anybody in NBA history. He just just is out there as a pawn, allowing 80 kind of to do it throughout that playoff run and that game-winner against Portland. Um, just super impressive. Man, yeah, Jimmy, Butler had a, Jimmy Butler had a like a 40-point triple-double, and he was exhausted after. Like, he couldn't walk. He couldn't, he couldn't he breathe. Done. Like, he, I, I remember him over at the scorer's table. And, like, LeBron just does that every night. Like, that's just what LeBron does. Like, I, I think we don't give him enough credit for what he does because he makes it look so effortless. I, I just think he's one of the – like, since he was, I, I guess, like, 16, like, he's just one of the most effortlessly smooth and, like, just – you can always count on him. Like, it's just – he's just a bucket. Like, it's – I'm glad you touched on that because uh, I think the defensive aspect of how he played in this playoffs um, from guarding Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter to Jamal Murray, um, he was all over the place. He kind of, it reminded me of his Cleveland days when he was guarding Derrick Rose in the playoffs. He, he tapped into and to his defensive play day one 
with Frank Vogel. So he he deserves a little bit of credit here. Um, but that and then to have to carry on the fact that we had this terrible tragedy of Kobe Bryant passing and to put that on his shoulders and to kind of handle that with all class kind of gives him an extra nod. And that goes into what he does outside the court. But I'm, I'm sure we'll have another day where we talk all about that as well. Yeah, James, I mean, you touch on some good points. I don't think that this is going to be the only time we talk about GOAT or best of all time. And for me, LeBron was top five all time in my eyes before the season had started. I think he's top two or three. I don't have him better than Jordan yet. I understand what he's done is amazing. I think LeBron, and and once again, we can touch on this at a separate time, is probably the best businessman we've ever seen. I think he's put himself in really good positions strategically trying to think one step ahead. He, he essentially changed the landscape of free agency, but you can't argue with four rings, three finals MVPs. I mean, what he's doing at his age, you know, whether you think it's Jordan's the best or uh, LeBron or you're more old school and say Will Chamberlain or Bill Russell, I mean, LeBron is going to be legendary. He's going to be that guy in the 2000s, 2010 era that years and years down the road we talk about. And I mean, you know, he's third of, in all-time scoring right now. He's the only player in the top 10 in um, career points and assists. So he's going to have a unique place in history. And I'm starting to like him a little bit more and more. Still would have rooted for someone else to win a ring, but, you know. <laughs> who's, I, your two? I, who's your two, E? You said he's three now. He moved from top five to you know, three. What's your two? I, I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think his okay. long his longevity, he had the most unstoppable move. I think he'd, if he had been more selfish, I mean, he's already the all-time leading scorer, but I think towards the end of his career, he knew it was Magic Johnson's team and took on a secondary role. But you can't argue. I think as long, the most important point is, you know, if you can back it up. And at the end of the day, there are opinions. But we're going to transition to disappointments. And there were two teams that didn't even make it to the Final Four or the Conference Finals. And that's the Bucks and Clippers. And those were two of the favorites to win the NBA championship. So, James, I want to start with you. Who is the bigger disappointment between those two? I mean, I can make an argument for both of them. But to me, it's clearly the Clippers. I mean, um, commercials before the season now, Kawhi coming into L.A. with the kind of I'm the king of Los Angeles was already a nudge. I mean, he's coming off a finals MVP performance. Clippers gave up the house to get all that deal that deal done with him and Paul George coming in. I mean, I think it's pretty universal where we can all agree that they have the most talented roster in basketball. They For were sure. proven winners in Kawhi and Doc Rivers leading them. Um, many experts, many of the experts picked the Clippers to beat the Lakers and win the NBA title. Um, with that said, I mean, look, I mean, the Bucks had the best record. They had the defensive player of the year. They had the MVP. So, um, there was a lot going that way, but if you started watching those playing games, you kind of had a feel that the Bucks kind of took a step off, and uh, the Clippers being up 3-1 and double-digit leads in the fourth quarter in game five and six, I mean, you thought it was a done deal. If you didn't step, if you didn't stay up till midnight, you, you would have thought, oh, they're going to win this game. They're in the third quarter, up 17. Like, it was clear-cut. It was It was almost like we all could guarantee that it was going to be a Clippers-Lakers matchup. We're all disappointed. And I think the Clippers take the cake for me. You can't go wrong with either of these. Brad, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I'm, I'm on the complete other side of this. I, I think the Bucks were the most disappointing 
of the season. Uh, the reason the Clippers don't disappoint me as much is because, like, yeah, I know they had them. They had a very talented team that they put together, but it was their first season. Like we saw, you know, LeBron deal with his first season in Miami. Like we've seen, you know, the Warriors as they were coming along. Like it's it's just chemistry is a very important part of basketball, and they don't have that chemistry yet. They don't have the time, you know, especially in a shortened season where like you're taking a gap. Like how are you supposed to have chemistry in this kind of season? Which is another reason why I think it's so incredible that the Lakers did what they did this year. Um, as for the Bucks. Like, we're talking about, like, Giannis disappeared, man. Like, Giannis showed holes in his game that he was supposed to have, like, worked on all offseason. And, like, he's this great, like, MVP that, like, you know, he's this unstoppable freight train down the paint and he's going to get his bucket. And then he developed this shot. He's hidden from the outside. So now there's no holes in his game. Then the playoffs comes around and he just looked like he had one move and that was it. Like if you, if you shut him down, if you get him, if you get him down bad, like the Bucks have no, they have no response to that. And it didn't matter who they had on their team. It didn't matter if you had Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, it just doesn't matter. Like if Giannis isn't going, they didn't have a chance. And that was from the number one seed in the East, an East that no longer had the LeBron, an East that he was supposed to just walk through and represent the, the East in the finals. And he didn't do it. And he was so bad that, like, Miami fans don't even think they want him anymore, like, as, <laughs> as their whale. Like, it's oh, right. Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. Butler was so yeah. good. Jimmy Butler was so good, and he beat Giannis down so bad that they're not – like, they'll still take him, of course. But, you know, like, it's, I think that says a lot when, like, you have your chance to, to cement yourself as, like, the up-and-coming, like, the next, the next great – and like you just kind of have a dud like that. I think he's either going to come out real strong next year, or it's going to be rough. But I think Bucks were definitely the most disappointed. Yeah, Brad, I agree with you. And I mean, James, I, I, there's no wrong answer to this for me. I think the Clippers had the bigger choke job as they were up three to one, and they showed the potential of you know even a conf- even winning a title. I, they were my pick. I had them actually beating the Heat in the finals because I thought the Heat matched up with the Bucks well. But they also lost to a better team in Denver than I think Miami was. I think they got hot at the right time. But you look at Milwaukee. Last year, they went 60-22. and Best record in the NBA. Lost to the Raptors in the conference finals. Brad, you mentioned no LeBron. No Kawhi. This was supposed to be the East. They were 56-17 and before the bubble. And they ended up losing to the Heat in five. And it quite easily could have been four games. And. And I think with this, it really exposed the Bucks' flaw of can Giannis be the number one option? He's a great regular season player, but as the playoffs come and you're facing better competition on a night in, night out basis, the games get a little bit more physical. There's more film on your tendencies. Can he duplicate that success? Is it transferable to the postseason? I think it showed that the Bucks they don't have much help around him. They gave Middleton a big contract extension and while he showed, he showed some potential, I don't think that he's that consistent number two. I just don't think that they have a championship team. And if Giannis leaves, they're kind of in no man's land because they committed a lot to Middleton. They're not going to have a lot of young talent. So, I mean, I, think about think about like the fact like Russell Westbrook and Giannis are the only MVPs in like my my recent memory who you could like literally say, are, is that who you want to be your number one guy? 
Like you don't, it, it's not a proven winner. So if I'm like the Bucks, I'm trading them for as much as I can as quickly as possible. Like I, I think it's clear that he's not going to be the number one guy for you. And Milwaukee's not a place where they're going to get, you know, a super team. So if I was them, I'm trading for as many pieces as possible. And I think, and to bite back a little bit, I think my, the telltale task of, you know, this separates the, the, the superstars to the great legendary players is, are you a winner? Can you win when the lights are brightest? And I think that's, the reason why I think the the Clippers were the the bigger one to me because um, they have proven winners and Giannis mm-hmm. his game is exposed he has weaknesses he can't shoot they don't have reliable like you said other players that are going to put that team on their back to extend and win when it matters we saw it against Kawhi last year they're up two two zero I'm like this team is way better I was watching it and then. Uh, Kawhi said, no, I'm guarding him. I'm going to prove who is the better player. And he did that. I think that uh, the Bucks are exposed. And I think that, you know, you made a good point where I don't know if um, Antetokounmpo can be the best player in those playoff situations. And I don't think that Miami is even the, the best house for him. I think we'll, that's uh-huh. something that we'll discuss with his looming free agency. But you could definitely make the point that they were more disappointed. They lost to a five seed. But like he said, um, Miami was tailor-made for that matchup. And with Bam playing the, the level he did, with Jimmy, with being able to throw Andre or Crowder out there, they were they were matched up perfectly and better, tougher, mentally tough, and physically. And it proved in every fourth quarter, the Bucks had leads too. They just couldn't end it. They couldn't – they didn't have a closer like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler looked like a better player than him in that series. So that's yeah, why I'm saying that. That, it's, they're both disappointments, and it'll be interesting. I think a lot of teams are going to look at where they are, not necessarily now, but years down the road. I think just like we saw a lot of superstar movement this this off this past off season, as we get closer to the beginning of the next season, we'll kind of have an idea of what teams are going at all in and which ones are tanking. Good discussion, boys. We did lose Jack, so it's just going to be the trip play fantasy, the three of us to figure it out or to finish this out. Um, but now we got our question of the week, sponsored by none other than Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure you don't carve your pumpkins when you're grooming. And by pumpkins, we actually mean your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach caring for your balls. And great news, they released their products in the UK, Canada, eh? And Australia. Ah, ball. Time to be basic with Uggs, Pumpkin Spice, and the Lawnmower 3.0. This trimmer has skin-safe technology, which will help reduce accidents in the personal foul area. Their Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer will help you smell the apple cider and the hardwood up close like as if you weren't social distancing. Are you trying to pick up girls, but you don't know what to say? The ball deodorant will give you the confidence, just like that feeling when you make your first shot of the game. You hate that feeling after a nice W, though, and you take off your shoes and suddenly nothing else matters. Good news, they got you covered as the foot deodorant is a nice tea tree oil that makes your feet feel great. Your phone is blowing up because your team got the W and you scored 25 points. All the ladies want on a date with you. You finally go on one. Then you got to finish off with their cologne. Let her get close to you so she can smell it and whisper in her ear, I'm dropping 30 next game. At the end of the day, you want to feel good about yourself because these products are vegan and cruelty free. 
Guys, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code triple play. 20% off might not be a good shooting percentage, but it's hell of a good deal. Free shipping too? That's like a technical foul and you're shooting the free throw, so you better take advantage. Make your balls a priority this fall. So our question of the week is, who is the most underrated player in the last 20 years? And James, I want to start with you. Give me a throwback name. Give me somebody that just didn't get the love that they deserved. Ah, oh, man. So this was the most intriguing question of the whole script that you, you sent us uh, this week. Because um, you can go so many different ways um, that players that don't get their fair due and appreciation, especially when we're talking about a 20-year span. The player I selected was Manu Ginobili from Argentina. Oh, I, mean, I like that. This guy never gets mentioned or talked about when the great players of the 2000s and beyond. Um, he led his country to a gold medal, something that probably won't ever happen in Argentina uh, uh, basketball. He is the team player personified. He takes on his role, whether it's leading his team to gold and being the guy or going to the Spurs, being the sixth man of the year, put into the starting lineup and becoming an all-star, being an all-NBA performer, even from the bench. I mean, the guy was clutch. They give the ball to him in the fourth quarter, make the right decisions. I mean, let's think about this guy. He literally can catch a bat out of the air. That's true. That, that, that should not go unnoticed. No, on Halloween. Like, you can't screw that. But he got a rabies shot in the game, so he is a hero on top of being underrated. And, I mean, think about it. He really made the Euro step popular, so that's a great pick. Brad, who's yours? I'm going to go Gilbert Arenas, man. You know what's funny? I, um, Those are two zero. I didn't go the way that, that it did, but I'm interested to hear your reasoning. He's a 25-5 and five career guy. Uh, his career was cut short by, you know, his own his own doing, which, you know, it is what it is. I bet if he could turn back the clocks, he wouldn't have done it, but he did. He it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he would have. He would have, maybe. But um, the guy was an assassin, man. He was he was maybe the most clutch shooter I've ever seen. Um, you literally, there was no defense to stop him. He could pull up from anywhere. He was almost like Curry before Curry. Like, it, it was just, he just kind of had the green light whenever because you just knew he was cold. Um, I mean, the guy's 25 and 5. You know, I, I think he's got like uh, three all star games. He was the 0203 uh, uh, most improved player. Um, he's just a sharpshooter and he was an assassin. He's somebody you could count on, you know, at the end of any game. And, you know, he brought the Wizards to several playoff games, which is hard to do. I know I've been a, a fan for a long time. And between him and John Wall, like, no, no player has brought my team to the playoffs like them in like recent memory. So I, I've always got a soft spot for a Gil and I, I don't think he'll ever make the hall of fame, but I think he should. Also yeah, 60 spot on Kobe and the Lakers. Yeah. And he, and he oh, yeah. predicted that he said that was happening. He was bitter for not making that Olympic team. And he was out there to prove it. Also, one of the hardest working uh, players you see in his workouts. I mean, they were, they're legendary. Um, so tip, tip my hat to Gil. I mean, I, I'm a, a local fan as well. And I mean, he's given me so much joy. Um, and just, what, when he was in his prime, 
Um, there's oh, nobody one on one that you want with the basketball, like you said, at the end of the game. Because it's just like you have it, do what you gotta do. Bang. I think if he got if he got like five more seasons where everything was normal, like just normal five seasons for Gilbert Arenas, I think we talk about him like like we do, like Tracy McGrady. Like somebody whose highs were just so high that we put him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and you know, with similar to Tracy McGrady, I mean, he obviously had the stuff with the guns, but he did have a bad knee injury when Gerald Wallace crashed into his knee. I he think did. it was 06, 07. I mean, great, great mentions. Yeah. It's, it's Zach Randolph, and he played 18 seasons. Oh, yeah. so think, about, think about the longevity of that, but he averaged a double double in 10 out of those 18 seasons. Think about the transition from the Jailblazers to the grit and grind era. I mean, he just. He was productive until his last couple of years, career 48% career field goal. I mean, he, you know, he was a, a bruiser. He's somebody that you want on your team that's tough mentally, somebody that you don't F with. I think, you know, he, for as long a career that he did, I don't know if he was ever an all-star. I don't think he was, but great career. And um, somebody that I don't think is not nearly talked about. I think what we saw with him recently, he got arrested for like marijuana, but we should focus more on the basketball side. What a great, great player. Tough as they get. Yeah, I when I, I was thinking about that, and I, when I thought of Zach Randolph, that's it. I'm sticking with it, not thinking anymore. But we're going to transition. Say, hey, Eric. Eric, yeah. I'll say, like, he he's, like, almost personally responsible for getting, like, the the undersized centers. Like, if you're an undersized center and you get a chance to, to do what you do, like, Montrezl Harrell doesn't exist without Zach Randolph. Agreed. Like you, you just don't let him have a chance to to play his natural position because he doesn't have like the characteristics that you normally go for. It's the Zach Randolph of the world that made that happen, though. And he's a lefty. Two out of our three oh, yeah. guys are lefty, so we're looking out for the minority in that sense. But guys, we're gonna go to our our game of the week, and J or Jack is out, so it's between you two, and it's gonna be all star appearances. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you ten players. And you have to tell me how many all-star appearances they made. And whoever gets closest will get a point. We have 10. And if it's tied at the end, we got a tiebreaker. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. The first, we're going to start with Brad, then James, and then we'll rotate. The first one, Brad, we're beginning with you. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. I'm going to go eight. James. Seven. The answer was six. Ooh. James, on the board to start. And the next one, Rudy Gay. Oh, wow. Does that make me up? Because we can do a snake. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rudy Gay, I'm going to go with four. Brad. I'm going to go two on that one. Rudy Gay has zero. Wow. Threw in a little curveball, even though this is basketball. So we're tied he went on the run. I thought he would have been in there. I, that's what I thought. I was surprised that he had zero. Shout out Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. Brad, next one, Dwight Howard. I'm going to go seven. James. Going eight. And it's eight on the money. <laughs> you still only get one point, but that's impressive. And James, we're going to be. I'm sure your- Brad briefly was like, it's eight. Gotta, it's eight. I'm gonna go seven. I, I, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking. I, I was thinking it might have been eight or nine. So I was like, I was thinking seven. nine. I was thinking nine too. When you went seven, I was like, I'm gonna go eight. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's good. I, I think we're getting in this, the general frame. But James, we're going to start with you for the next one. Kevin Durant. Wow. Um, Kevin is a 10-time All-Star. All right, and Brad. I got to imagine he's only been in the league like maybe 11, 12 years. I don't know how long he's been in the league. I'm going to go eight. James got it on the money again. Ten. Wow. Right. In wow. Seven. I'm getting dusted right now. Uh, oh, a, man. A, a three to one lead for James. Is he going to blow it like the Warriors in 2016? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this year, we'll see. All right. Brad, we're beginning it with you, and it's your most uh, underrated guy, Gilbert Arenas. You should know this. That's three. All right. And James? Uh, four. Brad knows his guy. It is three. What if I said? What if I said three? Is it a tie? Like, what, how does that? Well, you got to go with a different number, right? You can you can guess the same number. Oh, but we're gonna go with I'd you now. On you though. <laughs> we're gonna go with a guy that robbed Javale McGee of the dunk contest championship, and that's Blake Griffin. James, what are you thinking? Oh man, be Griffin, man. Let's hope he gets in to a winning team eventually for the end of his career. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with um, – we're going to go with six on B. Griff. Brad, what you thinking? I feel like he's had some injury hard luck. I'm going to go I'm gonna go four. Another one on the money for James. He does have six. The thing about Blake Griffin is you don't always have to be good because if you're popular, the fans will vote you in. So, But he's always good, though. He's gotten some of those. His games regressed a little bit, in my opinion. But I think he's getting better because he can. He hits the three now. He's getting better. He's a shooter. This will be a talk for another day. I'll make a note of that. But next one, and we are starting with you, Brad. LeBron James. Jeez, I don't know. Uh, He's seventeen years in the league. I can't imagine a year he didn't make it. I'm gonna go seventeen. And James. Oh, it's 16. James knows, man. It is 16. What's the year he didn't make it? The rookie season. He didn't make the – oh. 25-5. Oh, he won. He won rookie of the year. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That him and Mello didn't get in that year. Well, that second year, he was 27-7-7, and he hasn't looked back since. Yeah. So, Brad, you need to get these last three to tie. We're going to start with James uh, for this one, but Tony Parker. Oh, TP. I feel like he's been snubbed a couple times. Um, um, I'm still going to go with seven with TP. Brad. Tony Parker, man, that's point guard in the West is tough to get in, man. I'm going to go. I'm going to go four. He had six. He had a, a late surge. What? in the 2007 to 2009 range and another of the 2012 to 2014 when the Spurs were dominating and winning rings. So, Brad, you can't come back and win. Let's just see how bad the damage is. And (laughs) we're going to talk about another point guard that played in the West at one point, and that's Chauncey Billups. I'm going to go six. And James? He could be on that underrated list as the number one guy that's underrated. I mean, we're talking about finals MVP. I did some research for these names. Some some current, some throwback. He just, just, he, just got the, uh, he just got the Clippers coaching job, right? So, or yep. 
assistant coach. Him and uh, Ty Lue are boys, so that was cool. I'm going to go with five because like just because of how underrated I think he is. That's another one on the money, man. You know your NBA. <laughs> You're now up 7-2 on Brad. Brad, maybe you can get this last one for redemption. And it's like an encyclopedia. <laughs> Andre Iguodala. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go four. James, what you think? I'm, I'm gonna go three. He's only had one. I believe it was 2007 with the 76ers. So, with an eight to two score, we got James, Mike James Lewis, defeating Avery Bradley Kilgore. James, I'm embarrassed. 20 seconds of FaceTime. Go ahead and plug something in. Man, you dug you dug deep with that Mike James thing. I was like, I mean, there's been two two of them professionally, but those guys are underrated hoopers. Only true basketball fans will know a a, a Mike James reference. Um, I I thought of this as we were going through the cast. Is I think the W needs to get a shout out. The WNBA man, they 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 went into the bubble. They had a successful uh, time there. I think their initiatives were driven home on the say her name Brianna Taylor. I mean. WNBA and uh, Brianna uh, Stewart. I mean, it, it, she she proved herself as the best player um, in women's basketball, and I, I think she capped it off like a thirty-six piece to put everything away. So um, I know this is a an NBA basketball podcast, but I want to give a shout out to women's basketball. The WNBA is playing better than it's ever has before. Sue Bird's four years old wins her fourth championship. Um, so shout out to W. Little, yeah. little girls basketball love. And we obviously were talking a lot about the NBA, but I think as basketball fans, we just like seeing the product out there. And the WNBA is on the up and up, and there's some really talented hoopers in that league as well. And, guys, this was the first episode. It was a great basketball season. We're going to talk a lot of draft stuff, free agency. Hopefully we got some interviews coming up with some former players as well. So, we're going to have a great season here, great off season. I'm your host, E. Mendy. Anything you guys want to say before we're out? Thanks for having me on. We can't wait to talk about the draft. Let's do this. Yes, sir. Players, listen to our other shows as well, and have a good night.